You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Welcome to American Sex, the award-winning podcast dedicated to challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals that we have in the U.S. I'm Sunny Megatron, and my co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg. We're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and ridiculous, sadistic kinksters. We're also non-monogamously married to each other. So strap in or strap one on. In this house, your pleasure is power. Your kink is customizable. And your subversive perversions are revolutionary. Welcome, my friends, to episode 210 of American Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Sunny Megatron, clinical sexologist, kink educator, and the host of Showtime's Sex with Sunny Megatron. And we are back from summer hiatus. And I tell you, I missed y'all. And this conversation is such a good one to come back to because it is juicy. Well, not the pants kind of juicy, but this one is the brain and heart kind of juicy. Our topic is the nature of relating, and our guest is Megan Batia. So what is open relating? I'm going to paraphrase Megan's words. Megan believes that everything exists in a relationship. We are constantly relating to everything and everyone around us, and we're even relating to the past and the future and that relating holds a lot of meaning. And it's where we exchange resources like energy, information and love, etc. And because we don't really fundamentally understand the basics of relating, that's when things really go sideways in our relationships. So in this conversation, Megan offers distinctions around relating when it comes to things like safety and agreements and resources and power and a whole lot more. And this applies to every kind of relationship, monogamous, non-monogamous, kinky, vanilla, even our non-romantic relationships too. A couple of the topics that come up in our conversation, that tendency to gaslight ourselves through hard feelings and ignoring those telltale body cues that signal like, uh uh-oh, emotional dysregulation. We talk about head knowledge versus embodied knowledge, managing jealousy and non-monogamy, creating safety in our relationships for that big old no, managing feelings that come up around perceived rejection, the spectrum of power, the relationship between our inner dom and sub, yeah, within ourselves, the balance in relationships when that like, oh, you're triggered, but now your trigger is triggering my trigger. And what the hell do we do with that? And a whole lot more. Now, let me introduce you to our guest. Megan Batia is the host of Amory Podcast, where she and her two partners share vulnerably about their experiences navigating polyamory. Viewing life through the lens of relating, Megan believes that there are endless ways to deepen our awareness when we see and understand the patterns of relating. She now works with people one-on-one and in groups to develop healthy, loving relationships, starting with themselves. And after traveling with her twins and two partners to over 14 countries in the past five years, she now happily calls Costa Rica her home. Now, before we get to that conversation, I know you missed washing the balls all summer. That is our ball washing noise. And ball washing is what we call housekeeping here on American Sex because, you know, Vacuuming is boring, but soaping up the twins is a whole lot more fun. So let me briefly tell you some need to know things. And also before you hit fast forward, there's some free stuff too. So stick around. So if you have looked in your podcast player, hopefully knock on wood, you're seeing our brand new cover art for American Sex Podcast. I know if you're a longtime listener, I have talked and talked and talked about 
changing it and you know like a slight rebranding we have done it and look closely at that picture that is a cartoon me and there are many many things in those french fries that pertain to what we're talking about it's like a where's waldo can you spot the iud and the butt plug in the french fries uh it's fun so let me know what you think of it i'm really 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 excited now secondly on a more personal note, I know you've been trying to keep up with what's been going on in our lives, myself and Ken and our family. And yeah, we're moving to Portugal, specifically the Azores Islands. And over the summer, we've gotten a lot accomplished. We are full steam ahead. And if you are at all familiar with relocating to another country, as our guest Megan is, because, you know, 14 countries in five years in Costa Rica, like, who I uh, role model, because this is like, who I have palpitations every darn day. Uh, it's a lot. It feels very flyby and seat of your pants. And, you know, there's waiting on visas and all this paperwork and these bureaucratic dominoes that have to line up just right, you know, and you try not to make them fall down. And then affording it all, like we're doing this on a tight budget, y'all. It is a lot, so much, so much. And all while just the regular shit show of everyday life is occurring simultaneously, which is, ah, it's been a little, a little hectic. Uh, it's it's a lot. So we're hoping around the new year, give or take, we'll be on our way. And yes, this is still going to be American sex podcast because the influence of our culture and what is going on in the world right now has a hell of a lot to do with everything. And hey, I've spent 52 years in this pot of ridiculousness. Uh, so that's not going away anytime soon. If the timing works out, that will coincide with our regular winter break here on American Sex Podcast. So as we move closer to all of this happening, you'll hear a little bit more about it here. And I may do some other oh, social media or Patreon stuff or something somewhere else for those of you who are really, really interested. Now, secondly, a few reminders. Uh, you know, right, that American Sex has a kink-friendly Discord server where you can continue these eye-opening, shame-free conversations and learn from others. And of course, it's free to join. Plus, I have got free kink negotiation and scene starter mini workbook for you too that you can just go download totally free. And where, where do you get all those? The links are in our episode show notes, aka the description and whatever podcast player you're listening to, because I know you're looking at it right now because you're like, ooh, I want to see the new artwork. And when you look at those links, you'll see the links to our episode sponsors and discounts on pleasure products and BDSM gear and all of Megan's links and a bunch of other stuff, the link to our Patreon page, yada, 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 yada. So uh, go over and check that out. And if you're like, you know, I, I really like this podcast, I like your work, etc. One, thank you. And two, you know what you could do that would be absolutely amazing? Give this podcast a review in whatever streaming service you are listening to right now. And if you haven't hit that subscribe button, go ahead and do it. Of course, your support is always appreciated because, you know, censorship and suppression of anything sex related on social media and all sorts of different platforms make life hard for people like me. So if you appreciate my work in American sex, tell your friends, tweet out your favorite episode, etc. Okay, so here we go. These balls are clean. It's a whole summer's worth of ball washing and one quick little intro. And now here is Megan Batia and me talking about the nature of relating or AKA, oh my God, humaning is complicated. Enjoy. On the line. Megan Batia, I am so excited to have this conversation with you. How are you doing? 
I'm great. I get to talk to you again. I like know. My, my day is already fantastic. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We met just like background for those listening, which we call our listeners American fuckers because it's American Sex Podcast uh, for American fuckers listening. Megan and I just met not that long ago recording an episode for my other podcast that I host with therapist Kate Lurie, which is Open Deeply. And like our conversation was just so good and so juicy and so like my brain was lighting up like oh so we're like we have to do this again so american fuckers welcome to again you get to do it with us so open relating is what we're going to talk about and there is so much now you had like briefly said for open relating you believe everything exists in a relationship and so do i like you know and that we I'm going to paraphrase, we fucked that up a lot because we're humans and we don't really know <laughs> how to do And it's not our fault. Like society has conditioned us to, you know, we're all messed up. We're trying to heal from it. So let's get into that. Just give me your premise of what is the nature of relating between humans? Why is it so important? And why do we kind of, you know, screw it up? <laughs> Oh my God, how long do we have? It's I know, such right? a juicy question. I love that you use, use the word juicy. <laughs> oh, okay. So in, in summary, Sunny, uh, how I view relating is, I mean, we are born with nervous systems that connect with other human beings. We are wired to connect. We are wired, our bodies are wired to connect, our hearts, minds, like we are a social creature. So we are at the most fundamental level built to relate. Mm -hmm. The crazy part about it is that our social structure right now is really so monogamous, like that, that paradigm is so set. And we really don't have a choice in the way that we relate romantically. We have maybe, maybe more options in friendships and family dynamics, but with when love, romantic love is considered or concerned, mm -hmm. we really have one script. And I think that that's what fucks us up, actually, yeah. because when you only have one option, you actually don't have an option. And so what I view open relating is, to me, it's the whole expansion of possibility into how you could set up relationship structures to connect with more people. And yeah. really, it's all about agreements. Like, it's not super sexy stuff. It's like, you know, it's agreements. It's like, hey, do you agree to this? Do I agree to this? Great. Like, let's do that. But we need to empower ourselves. And so we have to get out of just that mononormative script of like, you are only allowed to love one person, have sex one with one person. When you get married, like, that's it. No, no other options. Mm -hmm. And so five years ago, I started off on this crazy adventure with my husband and we opened up our relationship and there's been a whole bunch of learning. Uh, I'm also a mom too. So that's usually the question of like, but what about your kids? My kids are cool, healthy. They're great. We talk about relating. Uh, and on a much more fundamental level, like love and who do we spend time with and all of the pieces of relating that I think are important. I'll just start with that. I'm yeah. Throw the ball back over to Ooh, you. And see, I love it. See, you want to take it. So, yeah, you know, it's fascinating. And, you know, because I'm, I'm a geek and this is my job. I just love like the social sciences and how do we relate to each other? Um, it's fascinating and also like disconcerting that in um, whether it's kink, whether it's polyamory, any of those alt relationship styles or sexual practices, that communication is like first and foremost up there. And we have you know, the negotiation scripts and scripts for you know laying down your rules and your relationship and all of this stuff. And I think a lot of us in that greater sex positive community, no matter our flavor, theoretically, we're like, we know we need to, we know we need to do this. We know about consent. We know about compassion and and uh, you know taking our our partner's needs into blah 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 blah. blah. We know this uh, like textbook. But then we're also humans uh -huh. that grew up in this bubble of fuck shit. And we screw it up. Not no fault of our own. You know, like it's a lot to get over for all of us. But and we don't realize we're doing it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I view that as like the long trip from the head knowledge to embodied knowledge. And that is a really long journey. <laughs> okay. That's head how I relate to that. 
head knowledge to embodied knowledge. Because like, yeah, I think a lot of us have the head knowledge down. And we also like, oh, yeah, you know, we talk a good game. And when I say we, I'm not like pointing fingers at everybody. Me too. Like, we're all human. Um, And sure, I can, totally. I can talk a good game. I got a microphone here, I, you know. In my personal life, do I do it perfectly all the time? Hell no. Hell no. Uh, and I'm supposed to be the one people are looking to, you know. <laughs> so talk to me about that that trip from head knowledge down to embodied knowledge. First, like, what what is embodied knowledge feel like, look like, you know, how is it defined as compared to head knowledge? And what are the first steps we need to take to start getting there? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'll give an, an analogy. We all know that we know what we need to do to be healthy in our heads, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm going to move my body. I'm going to eat well. Like we all know it. But as soon as you get the like chocolate cake in front of you, you're just like, but my body is like, I really want this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like our body has so much power and desire. And and sometimes that can be at odds with what we know or what we think we want to do. And and so the way I can relate it to is like if you if you realize you don't feel good after you eat a lot of sugar or whatever, you're going to be like, oh, wait, hold on. I ate that last time. That didn't feel that good. So I'm going to make a different choice. And so <laughs> not, maybe not me, but you know, like cookies. <laughs> I, I have a problem with cookies. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> oh my God, I love, I love sweets. I love sweets. I'm gluten intolerant. So the only reason I don't eat more is because it literally affects my body. Mm-hmm. But that, that is like a perfect cue to my body is telling me no. Like, that's just a hard no. Can't do gluten, can't do dairy. And I guess, you know, I'm thankful for that. But so, embodied wisdom, like what our body is telling us, we have all of these feelings, sensations that arise in the body, and we did not put them there. They arise, you know? So, the way I relate to it is I'm just gaslighting myself. If I'm ignoring, shooting on myself, telling myself I shouldn't feel how I feel, I feel how I feel. Mm -hmm. You feel how you feel. And so when that is disjointed from what it is that I want, or like my head is telling me, okay, this is the thing that would be good for you to do, but I'm feeling this other thing in here. It's, I don't run over myself anymore. I get curious on, okay, that's really curious. Like I have a lot of resistance there. I have a personal example I can bring up right now (laughs) that I'm going through because I've been practicing polyamory for five years. I've had um, I'm still with my husband of now we've been together 23 plus years mm-hmm. and I, I have another partner of five years. His name is Kyle. We host Emory podcast together and Kyle just moved to, uh, to the States and he now is living with a new partner and her kids. And mm-hmm. I've known this in my head, like in my head, I'm like, cool, this is really good. This is what he wants. This is going to fill that need for him to have a live-in partner. I want him to be happy. It's awesome. I know that this is what she wants. It's like, cool. My head is totally on board. (laughs) My Uh head's like, sweet. I want to be happy for them. We're good. Like, It's clear how my body feels. And this is the first week. So I'm giving myself some grace. Like, I'm getting used to a a new thing. My body's like, Ah, it's just screaming. It's doing the opposite. It is like, no, 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 not safe, not safe. Like this doesn't feel good. There's change. Change is bad. It's uncertain. I'm going to resist. So I'm feeling all the feels in my body and where I would have run over myself before. I would have said how I'm feeling in my body is not right. I shouldn't be feeling that. I know I want to be happy. So I'm going to, I'm going to like shut myself down. I've run over my own feelings. That's like gaslighting myself. I'm super good at that. I've been mm-hmm. doing like two decades of gaslighting myself. Um, now, knowing what I know that I've learned through this beautiful, glorious journey of open relating and emotional exposure therapy is like, I can't ignore these feelings. These feelings are actually giving me insight to where I feel unsafe. And that's my responsibility. How do I create safety for me? How do I create safety, continued safety in the relationship with my partner? I do want to keep loving him. I do want to support him in his new partnership. And we are going through a lot of change. Uh-huh. So this is my work that I'm working on. I don't blame him. I don't blame his new partner, although I totally last week got into that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm letting myself go through all the human exercises. I too am, like you said, I'm learning this. I'm, I'm giving myself some grace. 
but yeah, so I'm taking responsibility for my my nervous system, the feelings that are coming up through me, and I'm not resisting them. I'm actually stepping into them saying, hey, there's a lot of learning that I could do here. I have a whole mm-hmm. new level of security that I could create with myself and with my partnership that that requires me to go through this. Right, right. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Yeah, the gaslighting. I, I can so relate. One gaslighting, also expert, uh, do that all the time. The feeling, like those secondary feelings, like I, I'm having feels about my feels because I think my feelings are wrong, you know, or I'm ashamed of them, or I think I shouldn't be feeling them. So then that's making other feelings. Um, mm-hmm. And then also the you know, you were talking about the nervous system and what our nervous system is doing. And this is like, you know, a page ripped from my own personal headlines. But I'm going through a lot of like neurological testing and, you know, all it's, it's a whole story. But through my own personal journey, and I and again, I knew this on a theoretical level, like like textbook, but now I'm living it, that sometimes what your nervous system does is what your nervous system does. We think it's like our fault. Like if I could just control myself better, you know, like this like kind of stoic sort of, I can think myself out of it. If I had better Mm -hmm. willpower, I wouldn't feel the anxiety. It's my fault. Um, How much do you see that playing a role in what we have to struggle with? And is there any advice, even words of wisdom, pat on the back, encouragement for folks to like really have it sink in. Like it's, it's not your own deficiency that you can't get it together. You know, I think you're, you're hitting it on the, the nail on the head. I mean, I, I feel like over the last couple of years, I, I have gotten myself to that same exact point where I'm like, my, I am an animal (laughs) first accepting that. Like I am a mammal. I am an animal. I have a nervous system. It's going to do what it does. And that's why half of what I do in my coaching with people is actually Mm -hmm. somatic work. Half of what I do for myself is somatic work. And so the way I view it is like, I can use my mind to calm my body or my body to calm my mind. Uh And so I kind of choose whichever one is kind of freaking out more and I have my set of tools that I use. So if I can get a handle, if my mind is like able to say, dude, this this body thing is freaking Uh out. It is compromised. It is dysregulated. You need to do your regulation practices. I actually live on the ocean. Not everybody can do this, but I either go jump in the ocean. I dance it out. I, I move. I And now... I've gotten much better at actually not engaging in conversation when I'm dysregulated. Ooh, <laughs> so that's I'm a like, hard one. Time out. I noticed that I'm in fight or flight right now and everybody's got different tells, right? Some right. people fight, some people freeze, fawn, you know, there's all the different ways. So I've made it my job to know when I'm dysregulated. I'm not like, I'm not perfect at it, but I've gotten uh-huh. way better because five years ago, I didn't even know what I looked like or felt when I was dysregulated. In fact, my mind would be like, I'm totally good because I'm, yeah. I'm stoic and you're the one freaking out and I'm fine. Yeah, totally, <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. Uh huh. So that piece. So I work on the body part, and then I also work on the mind to say, uh, okay, like I, I can redo my thoughts. I can change my thoughts if I move this body. If I move the energy through, you know. So it's kind of it's both ways. Okay. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because like this for me. I mean, it's been a constant theme for a very long time, but even in like in the last few days, there's so many little like synergistic things in my own life that have come up around this. And each time, you know, something slaps me upside the head, I realize like, holy moly, so many of us are walking around in very emotionally dysregulated states. And and again, like this is no fault of our own, because uh, society has conditioned us to like, that's an admirable thing. You're going to act impulsively with your emotions. You're going to show your jealousy. You're, it's passion. It's, you know, and it's like, we are encouraged to like, that's when we should act. That's when we should talk to our partner about the cap off the toothpaste. I don't know, whatever. Um <laughs> And so it's like, not only do we have the challenge of like recognizing this is a thing, but then like unlearning 
all of the Mm -hmm. reinforcement we've had that's like, well, this is how you're supposed to act. This is how, you know, and who is it A, a, a trip? And like these things, you know, I feel like we're talking about the prerequisites to the relationship agreements and the communication with a partner because you gotta get your own house in order before mm-hmm. you can not only, you know, effectively communicate and and know your regulation or dysregulation, but also like have compassion for your partners and, and all of that stuff. But then that brings up the question or the situations that I see sometimes, which is, well, if we're all responsible for our own feelings and regulate our own nervous system, if you're mad about this thing that I did that I think is just perfectly natural and I don't know why you're mad, uh, you go figure it out. It's not my problem. I didn't cause this. Okay, so it's like, uh... Kind of, but I see that being uh, misappropriated a lot. So let's talk about that. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, where's that line of responsibility? But that's where the relationship comes into play. Because every action that we have is going to impact people around us. It just is. And so, yeah, from a totally detached state, you could say, well, you're triggered, so you've got to go deal with that. But if I want a relationship with you and you were triggered when I do this, it impacts me. Yeah. directly. So, I mean, that's where the relationship agreements come up. If your partner's not willing to work with you around a triggered state, they're not creating a safe space for you to actually work through that trigger so that you can heal that so that you don't right. continuously get triggered there. And that sometimes requires, most of the time requires like pulling back from the situation that is triggering you. So that might mean asking your partner to not do or do certain things. That might mean meeting in the middle um, it's, that's the juicy relationship part. And that's where we, we have to empower ourselves to make these agreements, uh-huh. you know, to say, I'm getting triggered when you do this. I understand that I'm totally working through my trigger and I need a boundary right now. So I will, I, I'm going to go back to my personal situation. Cause I feel like people can probably relate to that. So my partner's living with a new partner. It's a, it's like zero to 60, it's zero to a hundred, you know, they weren't living together here in Costa Rica. They are now, there was like a graduated kind of relationship progression. It was Uh like, bam. Okay. Right. So that's, that is triggering me because I'm still working through some pieces of where am I, where's the safety in our relationship? What, like, how did, how is this impacting me? So I'm realizing that I'm actually not a safe place for him. If he needs to talk about that relationship. I, I'm not safe because I'm compromised. And so if he shares anything that's like, oh, I'm struggling with this, this is, this is harder than I thought. I, in my compromised state, would be like, told you so, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm going to say some stuff that I don't want to say. I'm going to be a person I don't want to be. So in my compromised state, I've asked him to say, can we not talk about that part of your life right now? While I'm getting used to and digesting the fact that you're now living together and you're getting into a new flow, I'm not going to be a safe space to hold emotional space for you if you need to process anything. Please have other people in your life that you can go to for that. Because if you come to me with it, I'm going to use it as ammunition for my current story. Yes. (laughs) And I don't want to be that partner. I don't. I know what partner I want to be. My head knowledge is like, Megan, You want to be the type of partner that is loving and supportive and can make space for your partner to have new experiences. This is why like working through jealousy can be so crazy because we do get very emotionally triggered. We might have Uh a version of ourselves that's like, oh, but I don't want to be jealous, but I do feel jealous. Why? Oh, because that's making me feel afraid or unsafe in these certain, certain, certain circumstances. So I'm literally using my own medicine and saying, I need to create boundaries so that I'm not the person that I don't want to be in that relationship. I'm working through my stuff and I trust that I'll get there. You know, whether right. or not it takes a week or a month or six months, like it's going to take the amount of time that it takes. And I know that I'll do the work and I trust that. And I'm telling him like, Hey, this is a boundary, a current boundary for right now. It'll shift, but this is what I need right now to, to show, to keep my heart open and show up in a relationship the way that I want to. So, mm-hmm. and he's willing to meet me there. So although he's saying he's, he could look at me and say, well, it's your issue. You're getting triggered. It's not my fault, whatever. Like I don't have to do anything different. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, sharing what I'm sharing. He could, but then what other choices would I have? I would have to pull away. I would, it would like leave me not a lot of choice. I would just be like, oh, okay, well then 
I guess the relationship's over or I can't talk to you now for the next couple of weeks. Um, so he's meeting me and he's not owning my triggered state as his, you know, but we're creating agreements. And this is why, you know, there's like a lot to talk about in there. Yeah. Yeah. And you said one thing that I think really needs highlighting is, you know, I talked before about like how this is your problem. That's not my problem. Gets like misappropriated sometimes by people who are abusive or manipulative or sometimes like by somebody who is trying to act in good faith, just like this isn't, you know, doesn't realize like now nah, this is not gonna. Um, and when you said, I can't talk about this right now. And this is something I tend to see mm. in folks and folks includes myself at some points in my life um, that uh it's not that I can't talk about it right now because I recognize that my path on on self growth is is fluid and ever changing, and our relationship is fluid and ever changing. I am, I, you know, we think in binaries. Like I can't handle it. I can never handle it. Mm -hmm. Never talk to me about this for the rest of your life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's a hard balance for people to <laughs> say, like okay, I need some space right now, but I'm working on stuff. And like, I don't know, maybe our agreements are we'll like touch base on it and like slowly peel back that onion as I take off my training wheels sort of thing. And then on the flip side of that, uh, just uh, another part of this is like, if someone says to me, I can't talk about this, even if they add the right now, I'm going to internalize uh -huh. that as like, you asshole, you're rejecting me. You're you're never going to want me. I mean, I can never talk about this ever. Mm -hmm. Even though you said right now and you're like, in, you know, doing it in good faith and actually doing it. I'm hearing something different because of my own projection and my own shit and my own, you know, the way yeah. I've been treated in the past, whatever it is. Um, so how yeah. do we get to that, you know, not only giving and living the right now or receiving the right now. Talk to me about that. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, you brought it up. You said, I feel rejected. So the no, the no that you're hearing for a certain request, when you take it as you, like you inherently, you as a person are, are receiving the no, that's when rejection comes up. But if you take it as this particular ask, mm -hmm. this question, this request, is a no right now. I, you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting the request. I don't. Uh -huh. There's no. There's no personal personal thing there. I like separate it out. And I think when we we got to make it safe for a no. Like I want to be safe for a no. If I make a request, how do I create safety for no? No has to be an optional answer, or else I'm manipulating and controlling it forcing somebody to their yes. And if it's not an authentic, yes, they're going to be resentful. So it's like, when I make a request, I'm really conscious of no is totally an optional, like it's an option. Mm -hmm. I'm making a request from a safe place, me, and that we, we can go back into that's part of the nervous system. And then vice versa, the person, the person that we're asking, you know, how do they make it a safe? No. And I really, man, I don't know if we can get to the bottom of this in the, the podcast here. I'm just reading a book right now called Unbound by Cassia Urban, Urbanic. Okay. She's got a great, like a great template and she was a dominatrix for years. Uh -huh. I don't know if you've heard of the book yet, but I she, have heard yeah. of the book. I haven't read it though. I'm really enjoying it. I really like her template of using dominant and submissive energies. And what I realize is I've been playing this middle ground. So if we view power like a spectrum mm -hmm. and, you know, we have submissive over here and dominant over here. And in the middle is kind of this like co-creative energy that's partnership wise. Mm -hmm. I have been forgoing learning about submission and dominance because I thought the ideal was like co-creative partnership. Like I, that's great. Like I do think that we, we need partnership. We need that, that energy uh -huh. uh, power back and forth, but it basically means that I haven't trained myself to be fully out 
where dominant, she said, is like, my energy is fully out towards you right now. And submissive would be like, oh, my energy is so in, like, I'm really in touch with what's, what's happening inside of me. Um, it doesn't notice I didn't say who's talking and who's not talking. It's about where our energy is. Mm. And I really like that because in the book, she talked about making like making no, making it a legit no when you ask and coming from that energetic state and really removing the request from who you are is huge. <laughs> so that is the key takeaways. You, you got to view the person's requesting, rejecting the request, not rejecting you. Yes. It. It's like super yes. simple. It is like, oh my goodness. So I love the idea of like the, the Dom and sub being within us kind of thing. Um, and in the King mm, community, mm. there has been for people who are like, you know, really like, I'm a kinkster through and through. Um, there are some folks that do what's called self-collaring. And there's been a lot of like debate whether self-coloring is valid. Is it a real thing? You know, there's a lot of like old school, uh, you know, old guard thinkers that are like, no, you can't self What is this self-coloring? And to me, it's exactly what you are talking about. Like you are your dom and you are your sub and you are working mm. on your own shit. And in my mm -hmm. mind... That is so so healthy for, you know, whether you're dominant, whether you're submissive, um, to walk into relationships with other people, having been on both sides of that power dynamic with your own self. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we do it every day all the time. We have an yeah. inner critic. We have an inner dominator, dominatrix, whatever that is. It's like the mm -hmm. one that likes to flog us when we feel like we do something bad. And we have the sub pieces. I mean, they're all just parts, right? They're parts right. work. So I think the more that we open up that spectrum of power, um, the more we have options to choose of like, where do I want to be on this spectrum? Do yeah. I want to totally submit? And oh God, I'm you know, I, this is the right place to bring my like kink questions. I know that we've geeked out about this. I'm new to the kink community and I'm realizing, oh my God, there's like so much to learn there. I'm realizing that there's, there's like a big part of me that craves to like fully let go, like fully release into, into a situation, into a, into whatever it is, into a sexual experience, into a relationship. And I, there's still like a little part of me that's like hanging on. That's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not letting go of the wheel. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. So yeah, like, okay, what, what, what's there? I'm so curious. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. It is hard. Like, I, I started out submissive. Um, because I think just because like, well, I'm a woman and the social script says I should be submissive. And then I was like, mm. um, so now I consider myself mostly on the dominant side, but I'm open minded. I'm flute, you know, it's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, that to me, I have a deep admiration for submissives and people in the submissive role that can completely let go. Like it, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about, you were talking about the spectrum of power and uh, it's, it's, it's very multifaceted. Like people think power is like, well, the dominant has all the power and the submissive has none. And that, and I think we talked about this on open deeply a little bit, that power mm -hmm. is a finite resource. If I have power, I am taking it from you. And if you get back power, that means you're taking it from me and I'm the dominant. I'm supposed to have all the power. So now we have a problem. And it's like, no, just like, you know, in, in, uh, consensual non-monogamy we say that love is like this infinite bucket it's not mm -hmm. you know if one partner has more of your love that means i have less it doesn't work that way and power doesn't work that way either no um, which it's like no. a lot of us are like holy shit oh my goodness wow okay just that alone is like mm. yeah so yeah go ahead yes I feel like that submissive part would be access to another part of my power, yes! right? Just yes! like stepping fully into my voice or into my dominance is access to another part of my power. It's all just experiences of the spectrum that I experience as me, right? 
Yes. It's like these two extremes. I haven't, oh, I, it's like I'm playing a video game. I haven't unlocked the extremes yet. <laughs> I've been playing this like happy little safe middle ground. Yeah. And I, now I'm just realizing, oh, there's like way more to unlock here. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. just you're like at, in the world the of consensual non monogamy. You're at the doors of the dungeon yes. about oh to God. go into the maze and find find I'm the big boss so dragon. And yeah, totally. Totally. Yes. And like that's that's right on the money and and I think that that is something that we whether when I'm saying we is in the context of kinky or just we in the context of humans that have relationships with other humans, which is pretty much all of us, uh mm-hmm. we don't see the power or don't value or I don't know the right words, but the power in submission and being able to let go and being able to receive and being able to like, I am with you. I have a problem doing that's very hard for me. And you know, we can yeah. dig into 80 gazillion issues as to I'm sure a lot of us have commonalities. And then we all have our <laughs> own flavor of like, our attachment styles, and our <gasps> trust issues, and blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a that's a, a huge piece. And so how do you yeah. see that showing up with folks? Because you work mainly with folks who are ethically non-monogamous in that realm. How do you mm-hmm. see that? Um, I don't know that maybe subtly finite view of power and maybe not recognizing the power in giving or letting go. How do you see that showing mm. up amongst couples who are non monogamous? Have you ever been out in the world going about your life when suddenly a sexy, impulsive, secret thought pops into your mind? What if people around you can see it on your face? What if they knew all of the stuff you were thinking about? Well, with Dipsy, you can put on your headphones and indulge in the thrill of getting caught anywhere. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. You can discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. Radically inclusive, Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners. Plus, over half the stories are voice acted by people of color. And now you can listen to spicy audios by your favorite TikTok creators. They're attentive to your every need, prioritize your pleasure, and have voices that will make you melt. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorites again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories you can read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. And for listeners of American Sex Podcast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny. That's dipsystories.com slash sunny. How do you mm-hmm. see that, um, I don't know, that maybe subtly finite view of power and maybe not recognizing the power in giving or letting go? How do you see that showing mm. up amongst couples who are non-monogamous? Uh, it's the same. I think it, it's regardless of, uh, relationship structure, but uh-huh. you, you get, you get more experience with it within, within the framework of ethical non-monogamy because there's way more opportunities to blame your partner for how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> you could do that in monogamy too. Let's be honest. Like and you could totally blame to somebody blame. else, your partner for how you feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. You're like, it's a smorgasbord. Who do I want to blame for this one? Blame Um, math is is like exponential. (laughs) It's 
great. <laughs> Reasons to get into polyamory, number 555. You can blame more people. <laughs> uh, that's funny that I said 555. I don't know what that means, but I wonder if that's connected. Um, anyway, so how do I view it? So people come to me usually when they are in pain. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. a coach. I work with people that are going through opening up their relationships or working through things. And over the last couple of years, especially I realized it's, it's really people that are, everything comes back to the way that we relate to ourselves. Mm. So it, it doesn't matter if people come in for whatever issue that they're experiencing in polyamory. It's like, okay, cool. How's the relationship with yourself? Where is your power in this? And I use the Cartman drama triangle. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Cartman yes. was the second yes. in the 1950s and mm-hmm. he, he came up with this like rescuer and victim and persecutor triangle. It's yes. kind of such a great framework to look at blame and power. And so the I will go through it really quick. Is it helpful mm. to go through it quick? Yeah, absolutely. Go do because okay, I cool. love this and it relates to so, so much. I, yes. So Cartman noticed that there's roles that we play in power dynamics. And uh, we all know the victim role, right? It's like the poor me, I can't do anything. So in in my role, I'm going to go back to the situation. I'm just going to use it the whole time through. I could say, poor me, my Kyle is connecting with a new partner. And oh my God, I'm the victim in this and blah, blah, blah. So that's not, there's no access to power there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm putting him or or maybe her in the, the, the persecutor role. Like you're doing this to me. You're causing me to feel this triggered sense. And then uh, there's no power there. And then I could have somebody else like my new partner partner, uh, come rescue me from this dynamic that is no longer serving me or my husband come rescue me from this, from this dynamic. And, you know, of course he wants to play the protector role so that rescuer could fit really well, but it doesn't, none of that serves me because there's no access to my power there. So the way that the triangle can be reformulated is the victim becomes the creator and the creator is the one that's like, Hey, I'm like, I'm at the center of this. Like, I'm creating my life and my experience. So I, I love that way to relate to myself. And then instead of the persecutor, the bully, the one that's causing the problem, see them as the challenger. <laughs> when I consensually step into this to say, okay, my partner's new partner is my challenger. And sometimes yeah. this is the hardest part is to, to consent to that challenge, even when we haven't been given a choice. So I, for me, I empower myself to say, I consent to this challenge. I consent to me working through whatever there is for me to work through. Thank you for catalyzing this growth in me. Uh, this is like a hard, this is like master level of getting yeah. yourself back yeah. empowered. And then that other role, the rescuer, the rescuer is not doing you any favors by coming in. So the rescuer mm-hmm. becomes the coach and the coach doesn't do stuff for you. They just don't do it for you. The coach is like, sometimes you hate your coach because they're like, hey, this is your issue. You got to do that better. And you want to like blame your coach. <laughs> uh-huh. But the coach, if you accept and then consent to their to their advice, they will support you with the skills and tools so that you can do it yourself. Yes. So, you know, a coach in this situation might come back to me and say, Megan, are you playing the victim of this? Where is your power in this? How can you, what do you want first? And how can you step into the creation of that? Um, and then they could give me some tools. So like, how do you calm down my body? This is what I do with people, by the way. Okay. Let's calm down your body. Let's reformat. Let's look at the stories you're telling yourself. Where are you stuck in thought loops? How do we shift that narrative for you? And I coach them. I don't do it for them. I like, and I, the hardest part of the coach, oh my God, is I have to watch you suffer. I have to sit with your pain and suffering that like, I have to sit and be like, dude, you are really in it you know, and I can't own it for you. I can't fix it for you. And that takes from me as a coach. That's the muscle I've had to build is like, Mm -hmm. I can sit with you no matter what. Dude, you can be suffering like in the gates, like in hell and I will be there with you. I will sit there with you. And when you're ready, you know, we'll work on this. It's so funny because like I was saying, like things that have been coming up for me just recently, I'm like, I related to this conversation and now more unfolding. Um, Yeah. And I think that that is a muscle that like those of us who are parents, you know, it's like we have to watch our kids make the mistakes. We want to be like, no, 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 let me just do it for you. No, no, I don't want to, I don't want to see you suffer and make this mistake and learn this the hard way. Cause I have the knowledge. Let me just take the reins for a minute. Mm -hmm. It'll be so much easier Mm -hmm. for you. Uh, We know that does not work. 
And uh, it doesn't. Yeah. And and we want. And it's you know, so as, hard, right? To is. sit there. Yeah. And even with coaching, like I, you know, I've seen the same things with clients. It's like, you know, if I could play God right now and you were my little pawn, I would be like, just stop doing that and do this. But I can't, I can't do that. Like you have to not only do it for yourself, but in order to do it for yourself, that means you have to really learn that lesson and take it in yourself. And like, Mm -hmm. as the person who is the coach, it's like, if I come on too strong and be like, fine, you're learning that lesson, but you're, this is what you're going to learn. That doesn't help. You know, and it's like there's no. there's a part where you just have to be like, yeah, I got to help you through this really hard stuff that I wish I could just be like, don't do that. And you listen and know it and it doesn't work that way. And so when I so thinking, that is that trip, right? Yeah. From the head to the heart. Like, that's what we're talking about. That other person okay. that's suffering could know. And th- so this is the long journey. You, there's no way out but through. There's, there's just no way out but through and like that suffering is like you know even in it just it's going through it now that all growth has to be suffering but it's like your ability to learn that lesson is in it that's embodiment you do not get around that and what i love about polyamory and open relating is i could find myself in on this side of a situation and have so much judgment for what mm-hmm. what the other person's going through right yes. guess what the universe always delivers that that opposite side and then then i i have to experience it to go through it to embody that lesson and go oh shit <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, this is what you were going through. Oh, my God, I had no idea. I, I like was so judging you. And now I feel it in my body. I understand what you went through. I'm sorry. Like, it has happened so many times in my partnerships as I've seen my husband go through lessons with his partner that, you know, in this like crazy scheme of things that I learned the hard way through him. And Mm -hmm. I'm watching her treat him how he treated me or this crazy thing. And I could sit there and go, you know, this is, it's karma. You know, you're getting back how I felt with you, but because I was embodied in that moment. And I'm like, dude, I know that I know what you're going through because I felt like that with you and just holding space for him watching him learn that lesson through his other partner. It's just like my heart, I feel like is able to hold more and more and more like not just love. We can call it love, but it's like the extremes of emotion. I can Uh hold more. (laughs) That's what this has brought me. Yeah. And, you know, you said suffering and, and, you know, I think that that like right there, I want to like highlight that with the yellow highlighter because we all are mm. like, oh, my God, this is happening. Maria. I'm suffering. I'm suffering. And it's like, mm, are you suffering? Or is it like you said, you're being challenged and you're growing and like growing is not always fun. We've got the growing pains. We've got the awkward feels. Mm-hmm. We've got the, I don't know what I'm doing. I Am I making the right decision? This feels weird. This is new. Like growing doesn't feel great. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that's something to like, you know, I don't know if people like, you know, put little post-its with reminders like in front of you. <laughs> growing doesn't feel good. You're not suffering. You're being challenged. Like, st- Stop your whining. Yeah. Oh, no, we're getting stoic again. Okay. So, uh- <laughs> oh, wait, wait, back to the point around suffering. Well, suffering, it, it, there could be pain. It's the way that we're relating to that pain. When we mm. resist the pain, we're resisting that feeling. And that's the creation of suffering. Suffering is like, I shouldn't feel how I feel. There's something wrong with how I feel. We can feel pain. It's to me, like everything is relationship. How am I relating to this? Mm -hmm. How am I relating to this? And as soon as I opt in and I accept this is, I feel like this, Mm -hmm. my suffering decreases. It's like, I'm not resisting that feeling. Yeah. You know, as we move through this conversation and the different scenarios, my mind is like, you know, thinking like a few chess moves ahead or whatever. It's like, like, for instance, in order for me to be a good like coach to my partner, I have to 
let's say I'm one of those, it's like my own shit, my own like attachment injuries, whatever. I am one of those people who feels like I need to rescue folks and I like Mm -hmm. overextend and do things for them and blah, blah, blah. So in order for me to be the good coach to make the whole, the rest of that that's attached to it, like a healthy, safe environment for all of us, um, I need to work on my own shit around the need to like overextend and just take the reins and do things for people, which a lot of us, you know, we, we, we wrestle with that. Um, Mm -hmm. So then, uh, you know, that's just one example. And so many other things we talked about, I'm like, oh, but that requires that partner to be healthy. And that means that they will have had to have worked on their own shit and gone to therapy. And then Mm -hmm. like all of this is such a tangled web of stuff And none of us have it together when it comes to this stuff. So at any given point in time, like at any point in that tangled web where we are with our partners, we're going to have like a partner who should be doing blah, 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 but they've got some fuck shit they have to deal with. So they can't. And then, you know, the dominoes are falling. So when we talk about this and when the American fuckers are listening to this, I bet you, you know, we're all like, yeah, totally going to do that. Totally going to be the co. But when it comes to actually doing it, that is a different, whole different animal. So how do we deal with the fact that in theory, this all sounds great, but we're human uh-huh. and we are not all there. We are not all able to emotionally regulate around these things. And that is, you know, screws all the dominoes, they all fall down. How do we deal with that in our day to day relationships? I, you just described humanity. Right. It is. Like, this like, is humanity this is why right we now. We have war. This is how we got Trump. This is, you know, whatever. I don't know. But <laughs> oh my God, it really is. It's just humanity because it, this shit is not easy. And so it, it requires new habits. And new habits take time to implement. So I, so I feel like I've learned. I went through my own kind of. I'm restructuring myself. I started a self love journey that I created that was eight weeks long, which was great. I had like I don't know dozens of groups that went through that, and mm-hmm. now I'm realizing, oh yeah, we actually need six months. <laughs> we need six months for this to like really sink in. And mm-hmm. what I've loved about the groups that I've led is that when you're with a group of people that also working on the same stuff. You can have compassion when you see somebody else fall down and that brings more compassion for you to be like, oh, dude, I've been where you've been. I love group work and this is what keeps me sane. So I'm still working on my shit all the time. Like I've been trying to be super transparent about where I'm at with my learning journey and all the stuff that I teach, I still have to put into practice. What helps me personally is that I'm in a, I'm constantly in one, if not, I've like many groups happening at the same time to talk about this stuff, to practice, to have it front of mind, to have yeah. people that are like, oh yeah, like don't get stuck in blame. Like we see you, come on, how are you? Where's your power? Where, where's your power in this? Um, so I just keep really awesome people around me and I invite yeah. awesome people who want to learn this stuff and we go, we go through it. So I think it really has to do with the social circle that we surround ourselves with. Because if mm. you want to learn this stuff, but you're with a group of people that doesn't want to or is not aware, they will keep going in their patterns, which have been your patterns, you know? And so if you're looking for change, you need, you just need social support. So that's what I'm all about these days is like not only one-on-one coaching, but groups of people going through and then, yeah, and then like come here to Costa Rica and chill out and have a good time and with a group of people here that are also yeah. working on the same stuff. So I, I'm doing the stuff I want to, which is bringing people together to keep this actively as a conversation in my life. So I keep practicing Ooh. and I view all of this, like I put it under the umbrella of self-love, but I feel like I need a different word because not everybody resonates with that, but it's basically self-awareness, self-acceptance, self-worth and self-care, like mm-hmm. being really being really aware of yourself and accountable for yourself. And, um, and I also teach this stuff at, at my kid's school. Um, so I figure it took me until I was in my late thirties and forties until I learned it. And I'm like, how do we, we need to learn younger. So I work on normalizing emotions with kids, teaching them the skill sets. I've literally taught them the Cartman drama triangle. Like I'm bringing this to the younger kids too. Yeah. That is amazing. Like, 
Yeah, that's what we need, you know, because like you said, uh, you know, we have some of us have people in our lives that like aren't here. And I've noticed that like people who aren't there, it is part of our social script to shame and belittle mm-hmm. people who are actually doing the self-work that that it like, oh, your boundaries, you bitch. Yeah. Like, you know, it's really hard when you ha- you're surrounded <laughs> yeah. by, you know, whether it's friends, family, you know, whatever, that have that mindset. And then there's the conundrum, and this is where growth is, you know, painful. What do I do with that? Like, how you know, that opens up a whole nother, mm-hmm. you know, reason we should go to therapy. That's another at least additional therapy session a week. Like, how do I deal with my toxic family who will never, you know, and like they're always in my life and up my ass and like working against what I'm doing? How do I handle that? Like, whoo, talk about, again, opening up more cans of worms and that tangled web of like dysfunctional fuck shit that we live in. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so it's a lot. And and it can go the other way. Like if you start working on it, and then if you do have someone that's open in your life, they might, instead of getting like jealous or, you know, look down on you for doing something that they don't think they're capable of, you might have those one or two family members or friends that are like, hey, actually, what what are you doing? That how are you doing that? So you might actually inspire people. So it could go one of two ways. You, you never know. You never know. There might be some people that if they have a belief, they're not able to do the same thing as you, they're going to, they're going to lash out it and, you know, project at you what they think yeah. they're not able to, but they you might have people that are like, Oh dude, I, I want that too. How do I get that? So yeah. no, it's not all, it's not all one thing. Oh, mm-hmm. good, good. Cause I, I went negative. Like everyone's horrible. Um, <laughs> and also I think like, you know, you said with the kids, the kids are all right. Like Gen Z, maybe not every single, you know, gen, you know, they're not a monolith, but like a lot of Gen Z and even Gen Alpha, like they're coming up now, have their yeah. emotional regulation. Is that what the next one's called? Yeah, Gen Alpha. They've got their emotional regulation shit together. Like they are way more self-aware than like, so, hey, you know, talk to grandma, uh, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, like... The, We'll we'll change the world one one emotional <laughs> regulation at a time. Exactly. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so it's happening. It's yeah, happening. Yeah. That's the world I live in. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, like to wrap this up, I would love to know from you for people who are listening to this, who you know, let's say they're uh, in a couple, you know, with a romantic partner or whatever, and and whether they're monogamous or non-monogamous, because this applies to everybody, right? Um, and they're like, yeah, okay, we, we've got some d- dysfunctional patterns here. Let's, we want to start working on them. One, where did they start? And two, perfect opportunity to open the door is like, where can they start with you? Do you also have things going on that can help? I, I have lots going on all the time. Uh, but where do they start? I think there's so many resources out there. It doesn't have to be me. I'd love it if it was me. Uh, but there's just so many resources for people, when you realize that, especially if you can be specific around the place where you're like, oh, that's really triggering me. There's a, there's so many resources out there. Um, so as far as me though, what I've created free option, I have a free self-love mini course that people can do in about 30 minutes. And it's with exercises and practices and five days of emails that get sent out to you. It's super low hanging fruit. Like if any of that resonates with you, I'm I'm just actually starting a cohort of my self-love journey group uh, oh, next week. I don't know when exactly this will air, but if you're interested in like, if you want a cohort, if you're like, dude, I'm, I know that I want support in these areas. I want that social support. I want these practices. I want to build these habits. Uh, reach out to me. I'm sure there'll be a link in the bio for whatever that is. And then, oh my God, come to Costa Rica. I'm hosting a retreat in um, November, November 9th to the 14th. It is for people that are in open relationships, curious about open relationships, or open-minded and want relationship tools. And oh my God, it's going to be a blast. This is the second one. It's amazing. We've got somatic experiences, workshops. I have an amazing co-host. Last year, it was Kate Lurie, uh, which is how you and I know each other. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful for Kate. This year, it's Dr. Julie Hamilton. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. it's It's Costa Rica. I love this country. I'm like, come get your nervous system regulated by putting your feet in the sand. Ooh. By going in the ocean, like yes. feeling the sunlight, having amazing people around you, all of it. 
Yeah, and there's a couple spaces left if you catch me early. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. Yeah. And I just like as as we as we close up, I just want to remind folks that like, you know, or reiterate cuz we've said it that these tools, these approaches, these mindset shifts, whatever the hell you want to call them, aren't just for kinky folks, aren't just for polyamorous folks. Aren't they are for everybody. So if you Mm -hmm. know another human or you're connected to another human, and guess what? If you're listening to us, we're humans. So you're connected to other humans. uh, Like everyone can can work on this. And also, like you said, we're all still working. I hate that like, for SEO purposes, you know, it's like, I'm an a kink expert. Okay, sure. You know, that's what people look for. But like, really? No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I'm still, we're all still works in progress all the time. Expert makes it sound like Mm -hmm. we've got it mastered. We're all, none of us are going to ever get to like the end game of I'm a perfect human. Like it's, it's a work in progress. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Technically for SEO purposes and, you know, because, yeah, we're, I guess we're experts, but take that expert word with a grain of salt. Like we're experts in, in maybe helping you navigate the fuck shit, but, uh, we're always learning too. So, yes. Yeah. What I like to say is like, we're always like, we're creating space for the wisdom that already exists in you. Like, that's it. You know, you might hear something, but it's because it feels like truth because you're like, dude, that just got me. That's already mm-hmm. there. That's already there, my friends. You already have yes, it. Yes, yes, And all of your uh, links, I'll have all sorts of stuff in the show notes, aka episode description, where people can find you. Do you want to give a quick, like, little, like, what's your social media handle? If people are like, I can't look right now, where should they go? Oh, yeah. Amory Podcast. Amory, A-M-O-R-Y. Like, polyamory, Amory, A-M-O-R-Y. Amory Podcast. Um, that's where you can find a bunch. My social media Instagram handle is just Amory Podcast. Come follow us. I post a lot of stuff about all this. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I Sunny. love our I'm conversations. So yeah. I love our conversations. I look forward to more. And uh, until next time, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. What's that? You want more? Well, you can start by streaming our TV show on Showtime, Sex with Sunny Megatron. Then pop on over to SunnyMegatron.com. Everything's there. You can get updates on my new book, check out my sex ed and BDSM workshops, learn how to book me for your organization or for coaching. You know, we also want to hang out with you too, right? So come join our Discord community or follow along on TikTok or Instagram, Twitter, all the social media. I'm Sunny Megatron everywhere. And you can catch Ken on Twitter or tune in to his weekly D&D games on Twitch. If you want to support the show, a great way to do that is simply to tell people about it. Make a TikTok or tweet about your favorite part of this episode. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review too. And if you're a ride or die American fucker, you're going to want to join our Patreon community. We'll send you official American fucker stickers and you'll get a lot more too at patreon.com slash American sex. Now, just in case you happen to be one of the few that still has disposable income in this late-stage capitalist hellscape, well, when you're shopping for a new sex toy, BDSM gear, Kink Academy membership, or other things, please patronize our sponsors and affiliates. You'll get a discount, and it helps us too. Win-win. All those links and codes are in our show notes. Thanks, American fuckers. We appreciate the heck out of you. See you next time.